0: the funny books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron.
1: Woo-hoo!
0: And I'm Polly.
1: Welcome to episode 14. Very exciting, very exciting. Because it's not unlucky to be 14. Well, you know, certainly not as unlucky as 13. Very true. And last week was a very unlucky week for us, indeed. But
0: you know, your really you, your luck hasn't changed. Uh, you know, you're still in Orlando, no, f- the
1: unluckiest, unhappiest place in the world. In fact, I'm not. I, I was even unhappier these last couple of days because I was in Tampa, which is even oh. unhappier. Than Orlando. More unhappy. How could that possibly be? How could that possibly be? Because they have, Is it the unhappiest place on earth? It's close to. It may be. <laughs> I am back in Orlando today, just kind of a little bit of a Halloween Horror Nights update. Um, For those who have not had a chance to check out the site, I did visit Dinosaur World down in, I think it was Winter Park, Florida, earlier this week. Yeah, how was Dinosaur World? (laughs) Uh, It's exactly like a place called Dinosaur World sounds. It's one of those roadside attractions. Uh, You know, it was like 13 bucks. You know, and the sad thing is some of the dinosaurs looked really great. Some of them looked land of the lost bad. I mean, but it was just, it was just a, a bad experience for me. You know, it was 90 something degrees outside. The, the map to the park literally looks like it was drawn by a five-year-old. It's got like four lines on it, but there's about 20 paths in the park. And it has all these little steps on which way you should walk. Um, but they don't really work. I tried following the map and I ended up in the middle of a birthday party. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was it your birthday party, Paul?
1: It was not, but they were looking at me very funny. I mean, the attention was on me. You know, I was a big, big, uh, big guy with a, an A Comic Shop t shirt on in the middle of a, a kid's birthday party. So I'm sure that made a couple of them uncomfortable. At least there was no profanity on the shirt or anything. Yeah, but, you know, I started taking pictures of every dinosaur. And about five minutes in, that just got real old. So I'm just trucking by the exhibits, just not even stopping, just clicking the camera as I walk by. And um, I-, I got lost like six times in this little thing that's maybe the size of a hotel room, just because, I mean, it's so freaking confusing and they have all these little paths that lead off into nowhere and that wrap up into another and they have all these signs pointing every which way like they have a ton of different stuff um Mm -hmm. but not a single one of them points you towards the exit (laughs) (laughs) so you know i i was there for like 45 minutes in the 90 degree heat just dying that sounds like hell it was it was hell it was dinosaur hell that is where di- good dinosaurs go to or bad dinosaurs go to die
0: no one should have to
1: live like that paul i no agree one. i agree but luckily i got out of it you know i am back in orlando and today i, I did visit my, my uh favorite orlando comic shop again
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah it was a comic book shop the uh, the place that uh whose shirt you're wearing
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, It's a comic shop um, and it's in Orlando, Florida. And, uh, you know, I went last weekend, uh, I think after we recorded the podcast, so I didn't have a chance to really talk about it. But there is an article on the site, uh, Ideology of Madness. And, um, you know, they just had some really great deals last week. So I picked up a couple of things that I'm going to talk about later on. Just some really good deals, uh, some cheap comics uh some great comic sets uh you know you can get like two or three issues of of a comic for the price of one comic uh in fact i I got um five issues the first five issues of agents of atlas for the price of two issues uh yeah i mean great deal
0: and agents of atlas has got
1: a talking monkey so you know it most certainly does it really does and a killer robot which is always a plus so uh, your your trip to florida it's been fruitful it's been fruitful and, uh, you know, uh, relatively expensive. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, tonight I am here and I have plenty of comics to talk about now, thanks to A Comic Shop.
0: Well, I went to go see uh, the Ben Folds concert last night over at uh, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. Oh, yeah. He uh, was playing with their, with their pops, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra Pops Group, and man, it was, it was outstanding it was outstanding. You know, if you've never had an opportunity to go see Ben Folds, uh, you're really missing out on something. One of the things that I thought was interesting was that, you know, you go to the the club concert and I, I went and saw him last fall and, you know, everybody there knew who Ben Folds was, knew all of his lyrics, but last night at uh, the Morton H. Myerson Symphony Center, there were a lot of people there you could tell had never heard his music before. Because you know you can hear him listening to the lyrics, and like it's, they were like li- hearing it for the first time
1: ah, you know? so, so either
0: it was it was a it was either a new experience for them or they just had never heard one of those songs before but uh you know his his uh there's a lot of humor in his lyrics, and so there's a lot of opportunity to to laugh, and you were hearing that, but it wasn't the laughter of, of what you were expecting it was the laughter of surprise. And, uh, I just thought that was really interesting to, to, to cap, to see that, but man, he really turned that mother out. He, uh, that was, that was an outstanding show.
1: Great. So the mosh yeah. pit that you tried starting just didn't work out.
0: Didn't happen at the symphony center. No. Um, yeah. but I gotta tell
1: you, I, I,
0: perfect seats. Uh, my buddy, Mark, uh, secured seats for us, and we we could see right over his shoulder. We were on the choir coral terrace, uh, which circles the like a horseshoe around the back of the stage, mm-hmm. and so we were just boom right over his his left shoulder. I mean, I, I could watch his hands all night just banging on the keyboard. He was just uh-huh. awesome, and the symphony man, they really rocked out. Uh It was kind of hysterical because the conductor is this little bitty Asian lady, and during the opening number i mean she was completely rocking out and in, in directing the the, the uh, symphony it was it was really something something to see i mean, I, I really ca- i can't say enough about it in fact we uh, one of the guys that went with us has didn't even know who ben folds was he was just going you know cuz we were going and, uh, you know, he walked out of there and he's like, you know, tell me the albums I need to download tonight, <laughs> you know, because I mean, he was just that hooked after having seen it. That's awesome. It a good show. Yeah. Good show.
1: You know, it sounds like you and I have been very busy. Uh, did you have some time to read some new comics this week? I read a couple of new comics this week. Oh, look at that. We do this for, yeah. for our listeners, for you guys. That's right. In that's right. Funny book land. We call in sick, and we read our comics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Screw work. <laughs> you know, we, we read them in the car, really, while we're driving, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I just throw it
0: on the cruise control, climb in the back, read a comic. Exactly. So did you uh, read any Blackest Night books this week, Paul?
1: I, I did. And, you know, there were there were two pretty pretty decent Blackest Night books this week.
0: Yeah? Um, yeah.
1: I, I guess, you know, we should start talking about um, Green Lantern 46. Yes, yes. Cuz that's the uh that that was a a direct uh follow up to Blackest Night number 3. Was that the last issue? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um so it it was very sudden how it followed up on it. Uh Yeah,
0: I I one of the things that, that that I think I have to say about that is that they have orchestrated the timeliness of these books very well. Yes. Something that I guess Marvel could learn from. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, I, now I think we uh, that we should just state right off the bat, Paul. Green Lantern number forty six is done by is written by Jeff Johns. Awesome. That's all we got to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is drawn by Doug Mankey. Awesome. That's all we've got to say about that. Now we can just talk about story things that we learned.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Without reiterating I mean, everything we've already said about the team exactly um exactly another warning we are going to spoil this issue i think because there's a lot of things in this issue that beg discussion um but they're all spoilerish yeah um you know and and the big thing for me is that well there are a couple big things so you know this issue literally like we said follows blackest uh, night number three in that hal jordan has apparently been teleported from the fight um that killed one half of Firestorm. Right. to um Zamaron. Is it Zamaron? Uh where Yeah where Abensor Abin- yeah, and uh not Abansor, sorry, Sinestro and uh the Star Sapphire right. are doing bat- Otherwise known as Carol Ferris. Exactly. Carol Ferris are doing Battle with the Black Lanterns. Um you know, and it's kind of funny because he was gonna go there anyway and mm-hmm. then Flash talked him out of it. And then the um, what do you call those guys? The, the Indigo Tribe. Yes, the Indigo Tribe teleported them there anyway. So I like, got ah, well, screw Flash, Barry Allen can handle it on his own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look how well that worked out for Firestorm.
0: Have you noticed that the uh, the Indigo Tribes' staffs or whatever they are look like you know tobacco
1: pipes? That is a good point. I, I did. Have not you noticed notice that? that? Well, it, know- they, they do just look like you know great big pipes. The very long pipes. Yeah, very true. But you know what's funny? Is the Indigo Tribe? is um, isn't their, their color the color of compassion. They don't really seem compassionate, do they? <laughs> not really. like at all. Yeah, not really. No. <laughs> in fact, they seem kind of dickish to me. It's like, oh well, you know, you need to be here. Forget Earth. You know, you need to handle this. And and then um, uh, the big thing that happens is Sinestro. Uh, you know, they say, hey Sinestro. By the way, you need to confront your greatest enemy. Bam, he's in front of Mongol. And that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, and and it's nice because you know the Mongol storyline has really mostly been occurring in Green Lantern Corps, so it, it's it's kind of uh, a testament to how these titles work so closely together. I think, uh, but yeah, so this is really I would say the conclusion of that Mongol Corps storyline that oh, yeah. go- that's been going on for quite a while. Yeah, um, and I, I'm kind of surprised because it only really was about a third of the issue devoted to that aspect of the storyline considering how long they built up to it Mm -hmm. Uh, but i thought it was a pretty great scene
0: oh yeah and the the uh the big climactic splash page but you know where sinestro is just really beaten down on mongol is really pretty darn cool and i love how he resolved mongol yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's because Mongol's a pretty big dude, but you know, it's funny because they no one has made Mongol as badass yeah. as you know Jeff Johns and Pete Tomasi have in recent times. Because Mongol pops in, he he gets his ass kicked in one issue, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think his greatest story has been the Superman War World stuff, but you know, since then, you know, he's just kind of been a pansy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know he's been really you know the, I, I, it's kind of funny because I really thought they were building him up almost like a the DC version of Thanos. Uh, but yeah, he, he he got he got his butt handed to him in this issue.
0: Well, and it was nice. I mean, I'm glad that they you know they really had built up Mongol as somebody who can go toe to toe with Superman and someone who can go toe to toe with Hal Jordan. And here's Sinestro who takes him down all by himself. And, yeah, exactly. And, and that was. Awfully, it, it really does say how tough Sinestro is. You know, sure, certainly he doesn't look like much. He looks like you know, he's all willowy and wispy. But you know, he took down Mongol. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he really it, did. And a lot of that wasn't just with sheer force, as somebody like Superman or Hal Jordan would do. Sinestro, you know, used his cunning and guile. You know, mm-hmm. In addition to just raw force, so I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was well done. It was a very satisfying ending to that storyline.
1: You know, I agree. Unlike last week's giant-sized Wolverine. <laughs> good point. Very good point. And uh, you know, in addition to that, you know, there was the the big shocker ending, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Um, I guess we won't ruin it here for you. Yeah, uh, is that. Um, Oh wait! I was about to ruin it. Yeah, you were. Uh, I was, but there's a, a big shocker ending, uh, you know. And no one writes shocker endings like Jeff Johns, but yeah. it's great. It's it, it's a great ending. Uh, I was really happy to see it. It was a nice uh, way I'm to very curious to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, it was a nice way to wrap up that Mongol storyline, and then bang, bring you into the next thing. And it's it's important. It, it's it's valuable because we learn something else about Sinestro. You know, we learn more about his background. Plus, it ties in so well to the Blackest Night storyline. So, you know, it's this multi-layered onion of you know savory, sweet onion um, that Jeff Johns keeps serving up in this Black uh, Blackest Night series. It's just it's a really very strongly written work.
1: There you go. Blackest Night is a savory sweet layered onion of goodness. <laughs> you know what it is? It's
0: a it's a it's one of those uh one of those blossoms that's a uh, it's a bloomin' onion. <laughs> it's a bloomin' onion of awesome.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there was another Blackest Night book that uh you read Paul but that I I didn't. Yes,
1: and um And it's because- not that I didn't
0: buy it. I just haven't read it yet.
1: Ah, okay. So I, I won't ruin it for you. Um it's Blackest Night Titans number 2 and I'll just talk about this one very briefly. Um because we talked about Blackest Night number 1 at quite at length in our last issue in our last issue, you know, in in one of our previous podcasts. <laughs> and yeah, in the last issue. Um and uh the, you know, this issue continues uh, very much at the same point last issue ended uh with Donna Troy seeing her I guess husband and son, dead husband and son. I, I'm not familiar with that, with her past storyline well enough, but but I'm assuming that's what it is. Right. Um. And you know the the rest of the Titans de- dealing with some former dead Titans. Um. And, and you see more of that storyline uh, at this point. You know, in the second issue, nothing ties up. It's pretty much just things get worse and worse. Um. But actually, this issue was, uh, you know, we we talked about how issue number one really wasn't that great. Issue two is a lot better than issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it moves at a much more uh, solid pace. Uh, it's much more suspenseful. The actions, you know, there's much more action. Uh, I, I think it works really well. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't think this storyline is going to end in Blackest Night Titans number three, just to put that warning out there, uh, because there is... There are going to be uh, Blackest Night tie-in issues in the Teen Titans series, uh, I think, starting in November. Right. So I'm guessing that at the end of issue three, we will probably see a to-be-continued-in-Teen-Titans-number-whatever issue that is in November. Uh, But, you know, if it's written as well as this issue is, you know, I'll I'll continue to pick it up because, you know, Beast Boy... um, It still sucks but you know the rest of the titans are interesting characters and you know of course we've got bart allen in here and it's always a pleasure to see him as a titan so you know i'm definitely going to keep picking it up it it is well worth your time Uh, and uh, if you haven't picked up number one yet uh because we told you it sucked um pick it up because it's worth reading number one just to get to number two
0: so uh I'll i'll go ahead and ask you this question does beast boy survive issue number two unfortunately damn it (laughs) <laughs> what's it gonna take to kill him
1: <laughs> a phone number a 1 900 phone number <laughs> and then they'll bring him back in 20 years
0: let's do it <laughs> that, that would be fine by me well i read uh thor number 603
1: oh, by, yeah. how uh, was that
0: uh it's just outstanding i mean you've got uh jay michael's uh jm straczynski and uh uh, all other kinds of awesome guys working on this book. Uh, it is just fantastic. Really uh, advancing the story along after uh, at the the gods of Asgard have moved to Latveria, and of course, you know, you kind of start figuring out why Doctor Doom invited those guys to his country. Uh, I won't spoil anything because this story is just so ding dang great. And you know, like, like I said, it just it follows up on on everything that that's gone before, and it's really building to a big thing. The thing that I want to talk about,
1: <clears throat> <laughs> I know where this is going because I know what's going to happen. The story
0: ends, and you know it's got the big to be concluded in Thor defining moments, giant size. <laughs> so th- and it says here thirty days. Defining moments, giant size. And it looks like it's going to be, you know, a, a terrific story. My question is this, Paul, how much of that is going to be story and how much of that are they going to give me a reprint or a sketchbook or some other crappy thing that Marvel wants to give me?
1: That's I, a good point. I,
0: I mean, I flipped that and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm at, the, I'm at this little crossroads here in that I really want to read it because I have been such a fan of of Straczynski and this team Th- that'll be the last Straczynski book. And I think it's great that they're going to let him wrap it up in, in big style. But, you know, we get a brand new team in 604. I'm 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 pleased that they're promising the giant size book to us within 30 days. Now, it's kind of important to note that Thor has been hit and miss. It has not been out every four weeks uh, over the last year or so. I mean, it just it kind of comes out... I, and I don't have the numbers down exactly, but I'd want to say it probably comes out every month and a half, two months.
1: Yeah, I, I would say definitely because I've picked up uh, the first two trades, uh, yeah. Strazinski's run, and um, I was kind of surprised to hear that you just said this issue was six hundred three. Yeah, because you know I have a hardcover that goes all the way to issue six hundred. Yeah, and uh, you know usually there's a bit more of a. I mean, that means I only have three issues to catch up to be current. And usually yeah. there, there's a bit more time in between for that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and, you know, Jurjevic really does these these rather hardcore painted pages. And I think that, you know, it just takes him longer to do his thing. But I I, I can't fault the artwork. And I... I have been, this is one of those rare occasions where the delays haven't frustrated me because every book, I mean, even though it's been a month and a half, two months between books, I've been able to live with, you know, at least they were coming out in a steady stream. There's yeah. something nice to know that this storyline's going to get capped off and you'll have the, the full story done by the creators that that made this thing so wonderful. But I got to tell you I, I am so concerned about that giant size and I know I'm going to have to flip through it before I buy the ding dang thing and I'll have to make I have to ask myself that question, is it worth the 499 that I'm anticipating? To finish off my story, or should I just wait for the trade because they're going to give me a whole bunch of stuff I don't want in that giant
1: size? Because that's what Marvel does. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest. I am on the Marvel website right now. Uh huh. It is a four ninety nine book. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And um, it doesn't say what is reprinted, uh-huh. but it does say new and reprint. Yeah. See, that sucks, man. On the book, so it, it doesn't really say what's reprinted, and, and it's kind of sad because why reprint anything? Why not just yeah. give a preview of six oh four, the new team? But
0: why does it need to be giant sized? That's true. If you're going to reprint twenty pages of story, which is what they've been doing, why? Why not uh-huh. save us the money? I know I I, re, I know how you and I feel about it. I would be very curious to know what other po- folks feel about it. You know, some of the some of the folks that I talked to on Twitter. You know, are, have absolutely agreed that they're fed up with it, too. But I feel like it's got to appeal to somebody. I know that these guys are better businessmen than, than you and I are, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, they're I, making money. We're we're not. So, <laughs> Well, that, the, again,
0: the big podcast checks coming in. I, I know that it, I know that it's in the mail. That's what they tell me.
1: It's delayed. It's like the yeah. new issue of Thor. It's the giant size paycheck. So it's delayed <laughs> at least six months. That's right. That's right. So
0: anyway, I'm. I saw that and I was just very frustrated by it.
1: It's
0: very frustrating. Yeah, by it.
1: and I, I'm. I'm kind of sad. Why? Why not just make it issue six hundred four? I guess because it. they they wanted to r- bring the real Thor monthly. I guess as uh, bring it into Dark Reign as soon as possible. Uh, is that really well, what it is that they had to do a side story?
0: Well, and that certainly you know seems to be the issue that. Uh, you know, sent uh, Straczynski running from the book, and I think yeah. that's a mistake. I you know Straczynski brought Thor back into the fold, you know, back into the Marvel universe in such style and bigger and better than he's ever been. And you know, they have run him off. They run off. They run off a, a, a truly talented person who's done nothing but good things for for Marvel. Yeah, and you I know, agree. look at the look at the crap he's churning out over at uh, DC with those red circle books. So.
1: <laughs> anyway. Well, you know what? You enjoyed The Brave and the Bold. I did. I did
0: enjoy Brave and the Bold. I will say that. I enjoyed J. J. Michael Straczynski. I just
1: uh, yeah, didn't care I'm, for those Red Circle books. Well, you know, Straczynski has always kind of been hit and myth, uh, even in his Babylon 5 days. You know, you had Babylon Ooh. 5, but you also had Crusade. Ooh. And, uh, you know, for every... Uh, for ev- for every season three you have of uh, Babylon Five, that was the Shadow War, right? Season right. three. Yeah. Y- you also have a Legend of the Rangers TV movie.
0: Hey man, I like Legend of the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> you did I that on purpose because I like that movie. I, did. <laughs> I didn't. I did not like the lady who floated in the air and and shot stuff with her hands. But, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, the gunner no, who no, went into no. some it kind of a Watch it again. It's you suck.
1: You suck. <laughs> You suck, Paul. I do. I do. But not as much as Legend of the Rangers. Hey. Hey. (laughs) You know, I was reading something online the other day um, about Straczynski, and it mentions something about Straczynski writing Superman. Um, I've not seen any type of formal announcement on this. Maybe it's just rumor. Um, I I would be very happy to see Straczynski writing Superman, though. Um, I I, I don't know why he would, because, you know if he left Marvel because Thor was getting involved in the big company crossover, I don't understand how he can get involved in Superman at all. Right. Because, you know, new Krypton is going to be the next big company crossover after blackest night. Right. Um, you know, it's going to be the war between Krypton and earth earth. Orth. Um, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm very, earth. <laughs> uh, right. so I, I don't think he, maybe he's planning on taking it over after that. I don't know. Um uh, but yeah, I think he would be cool writing Superman. Too bad he didn't yeah. bring a, uh, Olivier Copiel with him. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would have been nice. on Him on you know Superman. What? That guy's awesome. Love,
0: I'd love to see him draw Superman because he drew an amazing Thor. Okay. Now, well, that's
1: all I Well, I was going to add. Uh, one more question. That is Jer- not all you have on Thor, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> is it not? Uh, it is not. Uh, has Marco Djurjevic been... Jer- 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 yeah. Djurjevic? Jer- Djurjevic. Jer- uh-huh. Has Marco... um? <laughs> we're on a first name basis. That's right. Uh, been the artist for the last couple of issues, or is it still alternating?
0: Um, last couple of issues. He and uh, uh, Koypel were juggling through issue 600, and then I think Jurjevic picked it up after that. So okay. after that, so yeah, they've been. I wonder been, they've what been...
1: Koypel is working on.
0: I don't know. That's a good question because God, he draw he draws beautifully. He really. Why does. don't you give him a call and ask him? I will. I'll get him on the phone. Hey, hey, in fact, on the phone. Why, why don't you just hold? I'll get him on now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a All joke, right. by the way. <laughs> oh, no. like, damn! Come on, hurry up! Yeah. Now he doesn't like wait. you. He doesn't
0: like you calling this late. You know? Yeah,
1: that's true. He's he not going to pick up that. this late.
0: He's really he's, he, not. A, he's he's not a late night guy.
1: Yeah, you know? after seven o'clock, don't call his house. Yeah,
0: he's, if, he's he's kind of an ass about it too.
1: He really is. Don't interrupt yeah. his Vampire Diaries.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so you bought some back issues this week. I did, you know, because I, like I mentioned, I was at a comic shop and, you know, I just kind of, I, I saw all these little pretty orange uh, price tags and uh, I, I just was like, ooh. Uh, so I picked up a couple of back issues just on things I hadn't given a chance. Um, like the the post-Secret Invasion Mighty Avengers Um, which I will go no further than to say I dropped it at the right time.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
1: because damn, it got bad after Secret Invasion. Um, But the one I do want to talk about uh, a a little more at length um, is Agents of Atlas. Um, I picked up issues one through five for six bucks. So that's, I don't know, a buck 20 per issue, something like that. Um, So, I mean, it's a great deal. Uh, now, this series is written by Jeff Parker, with art by uh, P- Pagulian. Pagulian. Um, you should probably try pronouncing these things before we start recording. Yeah. <laughs> but how many times have we said that? We said that in the first episode.
0: Yeah, I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Click.
1: Yeah, it's not here right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hit, we can have one of those awkward endings where things just end. That's right. That's right. Um, but I, but I did pick up Agents of Atlas one through five, and I read through them uh, really really fast because I love this series. Um, I know that on on our relapse column on the website that Jonathan didn't care for Agents of Atlas. Yeah, he didn't care Uh, for the talking monkeys. Yeah, he didn't care for the talking apes. Uh, He didn't care for the killer robots. Uh, He didn't really feel like it had a place in the Marvel Universe. Um, And I think that is why I like it. Um, And that is why he didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, You know basically agents of atlas they are a 1950s superhero team. Uh you've got the talking ape, you've got the killer robot. Um you've got the head of the the crime syndicate. His name is the Yellow Claw. Um, you know Yellow Yellow Claw's actually a, a real Marvel villain.
0: He used to fly, fight Nova back in the uh, first volume of the Nova yes. book. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
1: but this is a new Yellow Claw. Oh,
0: no, new- well, you know, and hey, let me mention this. This is so strange. I was reading the Gamma Corps trade paperback just today, and you know, it was the first you know during World War Hulk, the Gamma Corps that that uh, fought the Hulk. Mm-hmm. There is a reference of the general who's in that book, you know, who's kind of leading the Gamma Corps, and how you know. Uh, it was a reference to that nasty business with the Yellow Claw. And, I, and when I was reading that, I was going, wow, I haven't heard of the Yellow Claw in years. So it's hysterical that, you know, those two things. Sorry, yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't mean to digress.
1: <laughs> Jeez, uh, throw my s- mojo all off. I'm sorry, God.
0: <sighs> See, you know, Stupid normally errand. we record in the morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so the new Yellow Claw, though, is uh, Jimmy Wu. Um, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with his character, uh, Mm -hmm. pre this, but, uh, so I'll just, it's Jimmy Woo is the new yellow claw. Uh, you've got M 11, who is, uh, the killer robot. You've got gorilla man, um, who doesn't go by the name gorilla man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He, you know, um, you've also got Namora, who I think is Submariner's cousin. Um, Venus, who's, I'm sorry. Well, from the fifties. Uh, well, no more yeah, from the the yeah the fifties. Okay. Uh, I guess he was frozen in time, or frozen okay. in ice, or something.
0: Well, you know, he was around during the forties for you know as a member of the Invaders. I was just trying to place it. Okay, I'm
1: good. Yeah, I'm good. You may carry fact, on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got Venus, who uh, I guess is kind of like a, a sorceress. Uh, you know that when she, she can, she sings and it like. Um, she's a siren she sings and kind of uh hypnotizes people mm-hmm. uh, and you've got marvel boy um but not the grant morrison marvel boy uh, right. he's the original marvel boy i think from the 1950s mm-hmm. uh, in fact he, he was also known as the uranian uh, he mm-hmm. was marvel boy number one in 1950 was his first appearance and um basically what this team is is you know it was formed in 1958 by Jimmy Woo, uh, like I said, who's the new Yellow Claw, um, and but they were formed to rescue President Eisenhower from the Yellow Claw back then, who was a villain. Um, so everyone in the team, save for Namora, was on the team at that time. And, um, you know, I, I'm not 100%... You know, I missed the miniseries before this ongoing series, uh, but somehow they're in present day now. Hmm. And so... You know they're they're in present day, and Jimmy Wu has now taken on the alias of the Yellow Claw, um, not because he's a bad guy, but because he wants to appear to be a bad guy. Um, and, you know the series is very rooted in the Dark Rain storyline going on right now, which should be a turnoff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the way they're doing it is that they are superheroes posing as a supervillain team. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, so you've got these, these good guys who are posing as villains to infiltrate Norman Osborn's empire, um, basically to sell him faulty weapons and to, you know, to sabotage his empire, uh, from inside, um, and they, they go so far as hypnotizing the new Avengers, um, into really believing their supervillains just to build their credibility, you know. So, so it's this big undercover crime game, um, and you know, simultaneously with the present day storyline, you get a lot of flashbacks to their 1950s adventures, you know. It, so, it's 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 got a good bit of. Pulpiness to it, you know, and it's a lot of fun. It and that's the the main thing I like about it. It's a lot of fun. It's like you know, I wouldn't call it like an Ocean's Eleven, but you know, it, it's it's a fun undercover book, and, and it's fun seeing these these superheroes act like supervillains, and you know, that being more of an ongoing storyline. I'm really enjoying the series. I, I think even this series is not an ongoing. Maybe it is, but you know, I I will. Continue reading this series as long as Jeff Parker and uh, Carlo Pagulian, um, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, are on the series. As long as they're on the series, I, I am I am on it because it is beautiful. The art is beautiful. Uh, it almost looks painted. Huh. Um, you know, it has. Uh, but it, you know, uh, it, in the art, almost uh not quite as good uh but it almost reminds me a little bit of the cry for justice miniseries. yeah you know um but it's not the full book uh you also get the um the flashbacks are done by a different artist oh really? Uh, yeah That's, so you that, know, that,
0: that that can be really effective
1: yeah and it is you know because the you know the flashbacks are take place in the 1950s and the art is you know it, it's more stylized uh to that time frame uh, you know, it, it's much more simplistic. It's not really, you know, the, the quite the painted art. So it, you know, it, it's very different. Uh, you'll get two very different types of art in the same book, um, mm-hmm. but there's a point to it. Um, and and if it helps get the book out on time, great. Because it's a it's a great way of telling the story. Um, and like I said, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I highly highly recommend that if you can get your hands on, you know, the first trade for Agents of Atlas, pick it up. It is great stuff, um, especially if you're a fan of, you know, pulpy type characters, you know, right. talking apes, killer robots, um, you know, aliens, mind readers, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, um, you know, even though it's even though it has dark rain, the dark rain banner on literally every issue. Right. Um, I don't let that turn you off because that is the reason I didn't pick it up until I saw it on sale.
0: So it sounds to me like you're saying Agents of Atlas is awesome. In your face, Jonathan Landruff. That is exactly
1: what I'm saying. In That's what I thought. Your face. <laughs> hey,
0: Paul, <laughs> did you read the Comic Shop News this week? You know, that's uh, yeah. that handy little free newsletter they put in your comic bag when you get your funny books. I did not.
1: I did not. Why? Was something important in it?
0: Well I was flipping through my comic shop news because, you know, I read the newspaper. You know, I like to stay informed on, yeah, on that's Comic okay. Book Day. So there is an interview in here with none other than Dan DiDio. Ah. And, you know, he talks about a number of things. You know, he hints that, you know, uh, uh, instead of a new weekly, that there's going to be new weeklies. Um, After Blackest Night, but that he can't talk about that because he doesn't want to reveal anything about the post-Blackest Night universe. Talks a little bit about Paul Levitt's coming to Adventure Comics. You know, nothing really new or bold here. But here is what caught my attention.
1: I think I know where this is going. He says,
0: um, he has asked the question on the importance of Grant Morrison's creative vision of the new DC multiverse. And I quote, I almost wish that people could sit in on a conversation with Grant about the multiverse. It's so clear in his mind what he wants it to be. And the changes are so important, so dramatic, but so subtle that if not executed properly, it will just feel like more of the same. But executed the way he discusses them can make it uh, feel extraordinarily special. At this point, there's no reason for us to just have more incarnations of our characters floating around in different worlds. We need them, need them to be extraordinarily special. And it's worth the wait for a person like Grant on those things.
1: Well, I'm just going to call shenanigans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I read that and I'm like, God... You know, are they sleeping together? (laughs) I don't don't get it. I don't get it. You know, anybody else who had turned out one terrible book after
1: another, like Grant Morrison, might be given a rest for a little while. You know? What's sad to me is that they're so defensive of him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't care if DC liked Final Crisis. I don't care if Dan Didio loved the hell out of Final Crisis. It was a critical and commercial failure for the company. You know why is Grant Morrison still being given the key so much faith, the keys to the kingdom as it yeah, were? Yeah.
0: I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, even if even if you felt like Grant Morrison was doing a good job, but you looked around and you said, "Wow, people who buy our books every week don't like it. He's not reaching out." and bringing in new, new readers. Conversely, somebody like Greg Rucka is bringing in new readers.
1: Yeah. You know, um, Jeff Johns and you know, Jeff, uh, that's not, that's probably not a good example because they do have faith in Jeff Johns. True. True. Well, and I'm not saying they don't
0: have faith in Greg Rucka, but the point I'm trying to make is you've got all these other guys who are bringing in new readers and you know, like Jeff Johns, like, uh, like you said, uh, uh, That other guy, Greg (laughs) Rock. That other guy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, with a character like Batwoman and uh, the the notoriety around that, you were going to draw some press. But, you know, Jeff Johns has drawn press, you know, and and, and really kind of lifted the bar. Can you imagine if you were trying to explain Final Crisis to – Conan O'Brien, you know, if you're, if you're sitting across the desk from David Letterman and having to explain what Final Crisis was all about, you couldn't do it. You could not do it. Final Crisis is a, is a book that was written for fans that never found its audience. Batman and Robin is the same damn thing. For someone. And, and I'll cite you as the example, Paul, you are someone who loves the Batman books.
1: I am. And they've run you off of
0: Batman and Robin.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you you shouldn't run me off of the title that is considered to be the most important title in the Bat family. If anything important happens to the Batman universe, it's going to occur into that title, and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to see it mentioned in Streets of Gotham. Or well, not Detective Comics because it's far enough removed from the Batman universe, right? You know, it's going to be mentioned in one of the other books. But you know what? None of the other books really mention anything that's going on in Batman and Robin either. Yeah, it's literally like Grant Morrison is being given his own playground uh, to play with. And uh, you know, I I I just don't get it. I'm not saying that Grant Morrison shouldn't write comics. He has a following. Yeah. I'm just saying, Grant Morrison should not necessarily be writing comics upon which the DC Universe resides.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I I have lambasted Grant Morrison a lot simply for the fact that Final Crisis was a great big stinky turd. Um, <laughs> but he is he has talent. He is not, and I think I've even called him a talentless hack, and that was a poor choice of words. I, 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 I hereby apologize for that. But what I will say is that he is no longer writing for people who enjoy comics, and he is no longer writing for people who will come to comics those kinds of stories are never gonna grab people and go, Oh, I wanna read this. They are insular, they are they are too bizarre to have any kind of broad appeal. And I'm not saying that that, that every comic has to have broad appeal. He needs to be writing a more uh vertigo style type of story, I think. I think yeah. that is where his talents lie. He ought not to be writing your Batman
1: books. You know, know, give him his all-star books. You know, you can have Grant uh, Grant Morrison's universe, you know, all-star Superman, you know, give him an all-star Batman, you know, but don't, you know, you can't, you know, one of the Trinity, I mean, it's it's already bad enough that no one reads Wonder Woman. Do you really want no one to read Batman, too? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Gail Simone, because it has nothing to do with Gail Simone. No, Um, not at all. no, it, it, you know, because I'm sure it's a well-written book. Uh, I think Wonder Woman is just one of those titles that, unless you have a superstar writer and a superstar artist on it simultaneously, it's not going to sell. You know, you need someone like you know. I mean, G- Gail Simone would have been you know is is great, but you probably should have thrown someone like Jim Lee on the book at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I that would have sold like gangbusters. Yeah, but you know. Uh, it, it's just it, it's not an easy sell, well, especially I, when people are trying to cut back. I'm going to
0: ask you because I haven't read a Wonder Woman comic in a long, long time. I mean, I think it's been uh, it's been since the OMAX Omac books. You know, shortly after she killed uh, uh,
1: Maxwell Max Lord. Lord. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was the last. That was the last Wonder Woman book I've read. Are her books not selling well?
1: Uh, you know, uh, they are not selling as well as Superman and Batman, um, but you know, well, I, and,
0: and that's certainly always been the case.
1: But you know, I've only seen, you know, what, like the top 100 list that pops up on Newsarama and things like that. And oh. you know, it's it's not a top selling title. You know, uh, when Greenland, you know, you've got literally every other uh, of the big seven, you know, other than Martian Manhunter, who's dead, you know, it's is selling pretty much better than her. You know, Flash Rebirth is selling better. Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, of course, you know, selling better right now. You know, um, I'm trying to remember who else is in the big seven. Uh, we already said Wonder Woman, uh, Martian Manhunter, and uh, I guess Aquaman's dead too. Wow. So, but you know, it, she should be selling Batman, Superman numbers, and uh, you know not only that Batman and Superman sustain good numbers on five or six titles, and Wonder Woman has one, so it, it's it's uh, that it's not a great seller. And again, it's not Gail Simone's fault. I'm sure the titles are great to read. Uh, I think it's just tricky because comics are definitely a, a uh, you know a visual art form. And, uh, you know, you can't just have a great story, you know, if people aren't interested in the character and aren't interested in the art, uh, you know, people are just not going to pick it up.
0: Well, and, and again, I hate to be uh, obtuse, but uh, who is her artist right now?
1: Ah, uh, I think, and you know what's I don't think the artist is, is actually bad. That's the thing. It's just, I, I wouldn't call the artist a name um, because I, I can't think of their name, uh, but you know, if you give me two seconds, I will certainly let you know.
0: Well, and I'm over right now. Ooh, boy, you're right. <laughs> I uh, I, I went over to uh, Comicron.com to pull up mm-hmm. the August sales figures. And for August, out of the top 300, um, Wonder Woman was the 74th biggest seller.
1: Which is which, actually... Not horrible.
0: No, huh? But, you know, when you look at... Okay, let's talk about some of the books that did better. Um, Teen Titans. Which sucks. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's important. Teen Titans is a terrible book. I mean, everybody's talking about how bad Teen Titans is. Wednesday Comics sold better. Let's see. I'm looking for anything else... You know, some of these things are are things you expect to sell well. You know, the Superman books, the Batman books, uh, Wolverine, obviously. Yeah,
1: but you k- keep in mind, Superman, Archie. Superman right now doesn't have Superman in it. It sure. stars Monel, and it's still yeah. selling better than Wonder Woman. And isn't that book being written by Greg Rucka as well? Um, I think that's James Robinson. Greg Rucka, I think, is uh, m- maybe World of New Krypton. Okay, thank you. I knew he was writing one of those books. Red Robin
0: was, <laughs> was the 41st selling book. I mean, Hulk, Paul. <laughs> and we know how shitty that is. You mean folk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so yeah, I, I you know, I, my only concern was that I was lying. I,
1: you were about well, to call me a liar.:
0: No, I just I, I didn't want to sit here and say that Wonder Woman wasn't doing very well in terms of of some of the more popular books when I didn't know. But here's something interesting, you know, looking at a range of, t- of 10 books from uh, from 60 I'm sorry, 64 down to 74. You've got Supergirl at the 64 position,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Power Girl at 69, oh yeah, and uh, (laughs) Wonder Woman at 74, and then two notches below that is Ms. Marvel. I think that's an interesting positioning in the female superheroes. I mean, I think you do have that thing that comics are a, a... a male-dominated hobby, and that's certainly changing. We've certainly seen a lot of changes over the last, you know, twenty years. Certainly since I was a kid collecting comics. But you know, it's it's interesting to me. Uh, now I haven't read a Ms. Marvel in a while. I stopped reading Ms. Marvel uh, at Dark Rain. Yeah, uh, but I always liked Ms. Marvel. I thought it was well written. Thought it was well illustrated. But yeah, it is. Uh, it is way down there. As is, you know, one of my favorites, Guardians of the Galaxies and in the 77th position
1: Yeah, and guardians of the galaxy is, is a quirky title yeah. um you know rocket raccoon is you know we love him but he's not you know sure. universally known uh nor is anybody else in that book now um, here's
0: an here's another gail simone book at the 88th position uh secret six i have never read it but i've heard
1: awesome things about that title yeah i mean well gail simone's a great writer oh she's uh, a terrific I think, you know, the, writer I think it's just, you know, I, I, I think the problem is that no one, and let's be honest, it's been true since the John Byrne days ended, is interested in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, And to make Wonder Woman interesting again, you know, they throw a great writer at her uh, and sometimes a not so great writer or a good artist um, like Pete Woods. But, you know, like Pete Woods did the Amazon's Attack, uh, which, you know, the art was good the storyline sucked yeah um you know and, and you know you really need a superstar artist a superstar team on the book uh because right now it's written by gail simone with art by aaron lopresti yeah who, who? <laughs> i'm familiar with him but i can't think of what he's done Exactly. You know, and, you know, you need to throw Gail Simone and, you know, Francis Manupol right now because he's a big name or Gail Simone and Jim. Honestly, you you know, you really need to throw someone who's known for drawing beautiful women Um, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily Frank Cho because Frank Cho doesn't pull in big numbers. You need an artist who pulls in big numbers because they're a big artist like a Jim Lee but you know right. he doesn't get his stuff out on time.
0: Well, Aaron Lapresti, I just went and pulled up some of his artwork. He he's he's a skillful uh artist. I mean, those are some pretty pages. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's not a bad artist. I I just wouldn't say he's a caliber, you know, but you know I wouldn't give him a uh one of the three most Im- what people are supposed to consider one of the, the you know, the three most important characters in my universe. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't hand it to to someone who uh, was not, you know, a name. You know, we 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 were talking about uh, you know, the the interview with Dan Didio.
0: <laughs> nice way to bring it back, Paul.
1: Uh, but what what I was really, you know, what I was, you know, I said, "Oh, I think I know where this is going." I thought that you were going to say that when Jeff Johns leaves Adventure Comics, and this is I I read this the other day, when Jeff Johns leaves Adventures Comics and takes Francis Manupol with him. Right. Superboy goes to what? And Adventure Comics will be primarily a Legion of Superheroes book. um You know, I was reading that's that. In the this, other day.
0: Yeah, I think that's in this article. I just glanced over because I, I glommed immediately over to the Grant Morrison. Yeah, so
1: Superboy is going to be in the Flash comic. Superboy is. De- it sounds like Superboy is going to be in either Teen Titans or Titans. You know, And I'm sure he'll be you know guest-starring in Flash. Maybe they're setting him up for his own book again. Um, but really, I kind of enjoyed the fact that he was starring in Adventure Comics. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a little sad about the fact that Adventure Comics will not star Superboy um, anymore because I, I, I really liked that idea. And if Adventure Comics really is just Legion um, with Paul Levitz doing the, the writing, I don't care. I not think I'm don't around for that. Yeah. I'm not sticking around. I yeah. really am not. Especially That's sad.
0: Kind of, I, that makes me feel a little bad for Paul Levitz.
1: <laughs> it is. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like the, the, the odds are stacked against him. It's like, hey, yeah. by the way, you're demoted, and we're taking away the one reason people buy that book. Yeah. Because let's be honest, no one bought Legion of Superheroes. That's why it got canceled ten times. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's an exaggeration. But, you know. I don't think it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Superboy, it's like, well, put Superboy in the cover. People will buy it yeah well, yeah they did well, that's Not too bad anymore. That's too bad well, on that sad note <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well, this is it for our evening cast of the uh funny books with Aaron and Polly show. uh, stay tuned after the credits because we'll be announcing the winner in our big contest to win 100 free comics that may or may not suck suck <laughs> suck, <laughs> suck
1: ooh so exciting so exciting sucks suck, suck. <laughs> so
0: yeah all right well we'll uh catch you next yeah. time so next time paul you're gonna be home
1: i am going to be home in virginia and uh, you know for those listening to the podcast now uh there you know we i talked about a comic shop in winter park florida Read the article on the website. There's a chance to win even more free comics. And that one is signed um, by writer Jason Aaron. Uh, It is the first issue of Wolverine Origins, signed by Jason Aaron. Uh, So, wait, let me make sure it's Jason Aaron. Because uh, watch it be like someone non-important that no one cares Mm -hmm. about. No, it is Jason Aaron, uh, who is the writer for Wolverine Weapon X. Excuse me. It's Wolverine Weapon X, uh, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Ron Garney. Uh, you know, Jason Aaron signed the cover, and we are giving it away for free. Uh, just read the article and find out how to win. So, tons of free comics giving away. Um, we're giving away. So, read that article on our website, www.ideologyofmadness.com. And uh, the winner of the announcement uh, – or the winner of the announcement – the winner of the 100 free comics, uh, like Aaron mentioned, coming up after the credits.
0: Excellent. Well, Paul, I want you to drive safe on your way back from Florida.
1: Well, I'm flying, so – oh, I'm sorry. Aren't you I to drive have, the plane. Aren't you going to drive to the airport? Uh, no, I, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to oh. fly to the airport. Are you going to drive home from the airport? I, I was. Uh, we'll see.
0: All right, well, how about how about this? Screw you, Paul.
1: Yeah, I hope you die <laughs> in a fiery crash. That's right. Die in a fire, Paul. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyandmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were part of the production of this podcast.
1: Hi, this is Paul from Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Recently, we held a contest for a hundred comics that may or may not suck so on this episode, we promised we'd announce a winner, and the winner is Danny Mears. Uh, Danny posted a link to our contest and our podcast on his Twitter page, and he is now the proud recipient of 100 comics that may or may not suck. Uh, Danny, if you're listening to this, go ahead and contact us at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com, and... Thank you for playing. Thanks, everyone, for playing. And there will be more contests coming soon, including there is a contest currently going on on the site. Um, For further information, look for the article on A Comic Shop in Winter Park, Florida, for a chance to win a signed copy of Wolverine Weapon X number one.